Today on the Craft Room Podcast, let's talk about embossing. This is episode 29. Welcome to the Craft Room Podcast. I'm your host, Dawn Lewis, professional crafter, craft teacher, and all-round craft enthusiast. This podcast will help you get great value from your craft supplies and perhaps help you discover new techniques, ideas, and products to take your crafting to the next level. There is so much craft to talk about, so let's dive right in. Hello, welcome to the Craft Room Podcast. I know it's been a while and this episode has been in draft since before Christmas, but better late than never. Today, let's talk about embossing. Breaking it down to bare basics, embossing refers to a technique that will result in a raised area on your project. For those of us in the paper crafting world, there are two main methods of embossing that we can achieve to give us that embossed effect. There's dry embossing and heat embossing. They use very different methods and products and there's a distinct difference between the two. So if a crafter in your life has hinted at a gift of embossing goodies, it's kind of important to know which method they're referring to to get it right. Let's talk about the differences between them, starting with dry embossing. For dry embossing, you are compressing and moulding cardstock by applying pressure to achieve a raised textured surface. This works better with thicker cardstock and you definitely do not want to do this with super thin paper. And if you are using thinner paper, caution is required. The thinner papers are not always robust enough to handle the manipulation that happens with raised dry embossing. But a cardstock of around 200 GSM or upwards will handle raised embossing just fine. When you're using a 3D embossing folder, you especially want a sturdy cardstock that is going to handle that kind of pressure. There are a few ways that you can achieve a raised dry embossed finish. So let's talk about different products and techniques. Starting with embossing folders. If you have a die cutting machine, be it a hand cranked machine like the Big Shot or the Spellbinder or an electronic machine like Gemini or Vagabond or the Empress, then you can use embossing folders. Embossing folders are a hinged plastic folder with a raised design on one side that fits neatly into a concave version of that same design on the opposite side. Embossing folders are inexpensive, they're quite robust, and there is a huge variety in the designs that are available. There are two different kinds of embossing folder, regular and 3D. And while regular are fantastic, I have many of them, I love them, the detail on 3D embossing folders coming out at the moment, yes, I'm looking at you all to new, they are just seriously impressive. The, just the scale of them, they are next level, hence 3D. Now, depending which type of embossing folder you are using and which machine you are using, the sandwich type of plates will vary. It's best to check the instructions for your embossing machine and if in doubt, refer to YouTube. It's a great resource. The first embossing folder I actually tried to use in my Gemini was a 3D embossing folder, but because I had um, a display model, the embossing folder wasn't in packaging. I didn't realize that it was 3D folder. So I attempted to use the sandwich for a regular embossing folder. It did not work. It would not go into the machine. And this is an important lesson. Do not try to force an embossing folder sandwich through your machine. Same goes for dies as well. If it won't go through with ease, try a different sandwich. 
a 3D embossing folder is thicker because there's a lot more layers inside the folder. So the plastic for each side of the folder are going to be thicker. What I will say about these 3D embossing folders is that in the two and a half decades that I have been crafting in front of my husband, these are the one thing that have impressed him above every other crafting thing I have ever done. I used a Crafter's Companion Paisley design 3D embossing folder just on basic purple cardstock. And honestly, he was so impressed. He showed it to everyone who came to visit, you know, telling them how cool this new machine was that I had. He, he was definitely impressed. And it takes a lot to impress him when it comes to craft supplies, I've got to say. Now, to use an embossing folder, it's quite simple. You just open it up along the hinged edge. It's usually the hinges on the shorter edge, unless it's square, then all the edges are the same, of course. You place your cardstock inside the folder, make sure it's lined up nice and straight, close the folder, and then run it through your machine with the appropriate plates. When it comes out the other side, remove your cardstock and you will see your gorgeous embossed design. On one side of that cardstock, the design will be raised up. That's the embossed side. And if you flip the cardstock over, the same design will be pressed downwards. And that is the debossed side. Neither is right or wrong. It just depends on the look you want. And the beauty of these folders is that you can achieve an embossed and debossed version of the same design just with the one folder. Now, when it comes to embossing folders, if you don't have a die cutting machine, I have seen people use them with a rolling pin and various other methods. I've got to say, it's going to put a lot more weird pressure on an embossing plate, but in a pinch, I guess it would do the job. And here's the other thing that it's good for you to know when it comes to embossing folders. It is very easy to get carried away as you build your collection. There are hundreds of designs and they have an excellent price point, And this makes them really quite affordable, especially when it comes to reusable craft tools. Quite a few years ago at a big craft show in Sydney, I came across a bargain bin with a lot of embossing folders and I bought loads of them. Do I use all of them? No, some remain unused and that's for a variety of reasons. But the fact that I don't use many of them means they weren't exactly the bargain I thought I was getting. We will talk about bargain bins another day though, because that's a whole other thing. And honestly, I can talk about that for an hour. My point is that there are so many different designs, but what we will benefit from most is seeking out designs that we know that we're going to use many times over for different occasions and themes and projects. Honestly, my favorite one is a Swiss dot. It's a tiny raised polka dot because it's subtle texture that just enhances the plain background a little bit, but doesn't overtake the project. The next technique for dry embossing utilizes a mouse pad, stencils, and stylus. To do this technique, lay down a mouse pad or some sort of thick foam on your work surface, place your cardstock on top, then put your stencil with the design placed where you wish it to be on your finished project. Use the stylus to trace around the stencil edges with light pressure, and I say, Start light because you can always press harder, but you don't want to punch through the cardstock by pressing too hard to start with. If you're unfamiliar with a stylus tool, it's commonly used these days in nail art. It's kind of like the barrel of a pen, but instead of an ink nib at one end and a cap on the other, there's a metal ball at each end and they're usually two different sizes. I'll put a photo over on the blog so that you can see what I mean. And you can find a link to the blog post with a full transcript of this episode in case you're a reader. 
in the show notes uh, or you can find it at www.dawnlewis.com.au backslash podcast 2929. I did actually mention this method in the previous episode about stencils, which I will also link to in show notes in case you missed that one. This is a great way to stretch your stencils that little bit further and get more use out of them. And it works particularly well with detailed designs. If you're using an alphabet stencil and you want to utilize the raised or embossed side on your project, you are going to need to flip your stencil upside down and work from right to left. Trust me, I learned this the hard way by embossing with the stencil right way up from left to right. And when I flipped it over to use the embossed side, I had a mirror image of my word. That's the kind of thing I try to only do once. And I'm very happy for you to learn from my misadventure. I mean, I still used it just with a ton of foam tape in behind as a debossed word instead of embossed. So it was cool. There's an alternative and similar method to this. You don't use a mouse pad, but a light box is definitely helpful. If you have two identical stencils, this is going to work. There used to be a tool by Fiskars called the Shape Boss. It's still around these days, but I remember it was way back when I started working in my first scrapbooking store. It works with this basic principle. You use pegs to secure down two identical stencils so that they line up perfectly. You just slide the cardstock in between. You use the stylus tool to trace around the stencils to create this raised embossed design. Uh, back when it was new, it was quite expensive and you had to buy the special two-pack shape boss stencils to use in it. I didn't end up using it as much as I thought I would, so I sold mine on to make space under my tiny crafting desk. You don't need this tool to use this method though. Two identical stencils, some tape and a stylus and you've got yourself a good shape boss stoop. It doesn't have to be plastic stencils. I have also used this technique with little brass stencils. Uh, in reality, this is the best option if you have an endless budget for duplicate stencils or a cutting machine where you can cut your own stencils like a Cricut or a Scan and Cut. And if you don't have a light box, a nice bright window will do in a pinch with some washi tape to hold things where they need to be. It's not going to give you a very raised surface because it's only going to raise or it's only going to emboss as deeply as your stencil is thick, uh, which is why you get a little bit more of a raised area when you use the mouse pad technique. But it might be one of those things that you find helpful. So why not give it a go? Now, let's talk about the other kind of embossing. This is heat embossing. The first time you see embossing powder melt, it's like a magic trick. Your eyes can barely comprehend what they're seeing. It is absolutely mesmerizing. Now, of course, heat embossing still gives you a raised embossed design, but it's achieved in a completely different way. There are a lot of ways that you can do heat embossing and quite a few different ways to get your design started. You can use stamps, stencils, dies. You can even draw your design with a special kind of pen or marker. You need a slow drying ink like the clear sticky embossing ink, Versamark, Distress Ink has one. That's what I use. Or you can get a proper embossing ink pen also from Versamark. Lawn Fawn has one as well. Pigment ink pads are also suitable for this method because pigment ink is slow drying. 
The next thing you need is embossing powder, which is available in different grades and colours and finishes and effects. And we'll go into that in some more detail shortly. You need a heat source like a heat gun and I have an alternative for you as well. It is also important to prepare your work surface. I usually work over an empty container. It's just a plastic container I use to store my favourite embossing ink jars in. Or take a piece of printer paper, fold it in half, then open it up flat so that you've got the, the fold crease in the middle. And this will become clear shortly. To heat emboss, you need to apply your sticky ink to your cardstock. And there are options here. You can ink up your stamp and stamp it onto the cardstock. You can lay down a stencil and apply your clear ink pad over the open design or trace around the stencil with your embossing ink pen. You can ink up the raised portion of a cutting die and stamp with that or run it through your die cutting machine with an embossing mat for a letterpress look. You can even draw a freehand design with your embossing ink pen. While your ink is still wet, you apply your embossing powder. It's quite easy. Just open up the jar, hold up your ink cardstock over your container or your piece of paper, and you're going to tilt it at an angle and pour the powder over that embossed ink, allowing what doesn't stick to fall into the container or onto your piece of paper. Tap the back and the sides of the cardstock so any loose bits of embossing powder fall off. And if any little specks have stuck in unwanted places, you can use a small dry paintbrush to just brush them away. Now, when I say while your ink is still wet, if you're doing a lot of stamping on a large area, for example, you may want to stamp two or three times and then apply your powder and then stamp again and then apply your powder, then stamp again, then apply your powder. You need to work relatively quickly, but that said, you don't need to completely panic. You will know how long your ink stays wet. I know with my ink pad, I recently had to buy a re-inker because <laughs> I stamped a few images. And by the time I got to number four, the first, and then I applied the embossing powder, the first one was quite dry. And unfortunately, I, the embossing powder didn't stick everywhere I wanted it to stick. So in that case, what I did was I just brushed all of the embossing powder off there. I heat set the other three and then I just re-stamped and then it worked again. So it's not tragic. It can be fixed. So you heard me say that we pour powder all over the stamped or this nice sticky image. And then we let the rest fall onto your paper or into your container. Now, when we are heat embossing, we do not waste that embossing powder. We use the container or that fold in the paper as a funnel to put all that excess powder back into the jar. It lasts a long time. And when I say that, I'm confident when I say that because I still have embossing powders I first bought close to 30 years ago. So even though I usually pour out half the jar for a single stamped image, because so little of the powder sticks to the ink, it mostly ends up back in the jar and it will last for so many years. We don't throw it away, we don't wipe it up and we don't dump it in the bin. We reuse it over and over and over and over until we run out. Now, while we're very excited here because we've added our powder onto our sticky image, it is important to remember not to touch that powder yet because it hasn't been heat set. 
and it will brush away easily. That's why it was so easy for me to redo the, the image that had partially dried. We now have to apply a heat source. There are a few different types of heat tools. Most of them are long and thin or they look like a travel hairdryer. And if you're already thinking, well, maybe I could just use my hairdryer, the answer to that one, unfortunately, is no, you can't. The air is too strong. It's just going to blow the embossing powder away and the heat isn't strong enough to melt the powder. But if you don't have a heat gun, if it's out of your budget, you can still emboss though. And I am going to share my secret heating tool that I used when I first learned how to do this. When I first bought my embossing powders, heat tools were not readily available. And the only ones that did exist were at hardware stores used for stripping paint. They were overpowered and really expensive and therefore just not feasible. Instead, I used our toaster. Yes, you heard me right. I used our toaster in the kitchen for many, many years to do embossing. If you're wondering how, let me just walk you through this step by step with all the things I learned. Firstly, no, you don't put your embossed piece of cardstock in the toaster like a piece of bread. That's, that's not how it works. There are some steps. We're going to walk through them. Number one, before you even start, you want to clean that toaster out. You're going to take out the little tray at the bottom, brush all the crumbs off, wash it if you need to. You're going to turn the toaster upside down over the bin or the sink and shake and tap out as many crumbs as you can because you're going to be turning this toaster up to the highest setting for embossing. So it's going to be on for a long time and you do not want the house smelling like burnt toast or worse, the smoke alarm going off. So empty out all of those crumbs. Number two. Take a photo of the toaster setting or mark it with a, a piece of tape or a whiteboard marker or a chalk marker, something. You know how you have that perfect toasty setting that you really like on your toaster? You are about to crank that up to the highest setting for embossing. And in all of that crafting excitement, are you really going to remember what the perfect toast setting was before you started? I mean, probably not. So make a note before you start. Number three. Make sure you're working in an open area. You do not want to be working with a shelf directly above the toaster because it's going to get really hot and you don't want any heat damage to the shelf above. So get it out in the open. Number four, if you're thinking that you're going to heat this with the embossing powder side facing down towards the heat, then think again, because that is also not how this works. We are going to heat our cardstock with the embossing powder on it from the back. This allows you to see the embossing powder as it melts so that you can heat it evenly and remove the cardstock from the heat when it's done. Side note, overheated embossing powder isn't pretty and nor is scorched cardstock. If you overheat your embossing powder, it melts into the cardstock and spreads out instead of leaving a nice glossy raised surface. So as soon as you get that perfect melt, you're going to move it away and you don't want to burn your cardstock. Number five. Use a tool to hold your cardstock and make sure that it is heat friendly. Metal is a bad idea. You could use something that's wooden, just be cautious with it. But something with silicon, silicon tongs is something that I have honestly used. Uh, or sometimes I will tape my smaller embossed piece of cardstock to a larger long piece that I use as a handle. Which leads me to number six. 
don't hold that cardstock in one place. You need to move it around. So I like to move mine around in circles. It's going to take time, but keep your eye on the powder. As the toaster really starts to heat up, you'll discover where the best hot spot is. I remember on my parents' toaster when I did this, it was that strip of metal between the two slots for the toast. That was the best hot spot to get the powder melted. So you'll figure it out as you go along. And number seven, be aware of your toaster. And when I say that, what I mean is you're going to push that button down and you're going to be so focused on watching your embossing powder melt and seeing how many embossed designs you can heat that you will forget that it's a toaster. And with toasters, what goes down must pop up. It will scare you every single time. I will make a video about this and add it to YouTube and TikTok and Instagram everywhere I can. Using a toaster is a great option. It's a weird option, but it is a great option when you're crafting on a budget or deciding whether heat embossing is something that you really enjoy and you want to invest in. Yes, a heat tool is less fussy and it doesn't smell like burnt toast, but it can be a big purchase when you're starting out. So the toaster will let you test the waters when it comes to heat embossing without incurring extra expense. Now let's talk about different types of embossing powder available because there are so many. There are different grades like super fine or ultra fine, standard or regular, or U-T-E-E, ultra thick embossing enamel. And then there are the different finishes like glitter, shimmer, pearl, transparent, metallic, glow in the dark, opaque, and there are specialty powders. For example, Distress Ink Glaze, that's a tinted, transparent, shiny finish. Or mixed colours like the Wow Trio or Ranger Speckle or Mixed Media Powders. So there are a lot of powders to choose from in a lot of different finishes and so many different colours. Different powders are great for different jobs. For example... If you want to create a stamped heat embossed sentiment using a small or detailed stamp, I would be telling you to use an ultra fine embossing powder so that the details are crisp and clear. So when powder melts, the same sentiment is going to be easy or difficult to read depending on what kind of powder you use. If it is really, really detailed, a thicker embossing powder, you're going to lose some of the detail. So I like to err on the side of caution and go with ultra fine clear embossing powder and white embossing powder. Now the UTEE, that ultra thick embossing enamel powder, that does a great job at creating faux metal finishes. It's just nice and smooth with one application. Absolutely gorgeous. An ultra fine or a regular powder is going to need to be applied several times to get the same result as a single layer of UTEE. Another one of my favorite uses for the UTEE powders is to cover a die cut shape or a word to make it shiny. You can do that with regular or ultra fine. You just might need to put on additional coats. And Let's talk about the many, many colours. And then we wonder, what do we do when we're on a budget or we're not sure if we like this yet? Where, I mean, what do you even start with? I know I wanted all the colours. It, it just wasn't in my budget and I didn't really have the space to store lots of jars either. Instead, I figured out it was much more affordable to buy mini pigment ink cubes and one jar of clear embossing powder. Then I could stamp with any colour and emboss clear over the top. So my many stamped images could be 
any colour I liked with that lovely glossy raised finish. I did add a clear glitter embossing powder to my collection fairly early on and that was absolutely divine. At the time, the ink pads were about half the price of the embossing powder, so I got a lot more bang for my buck. And if you're wondering about the basics when first buying some embossing powders, it's going to depend a lot on you, but my recommendations would be a clear ultrafine, a white ultrafine, maybe a nice metallic. You might like gold or silver or copper. And another favourite of mine is Hero Arts White Satin Pearl Embossing Powder. It kind of... it. I'm just trying to think how to describe it. It picks up the colour of the cardstock that you're stamping and embossing on. It makes it darker and it has this beautiful pearlized finish. It's absolutely gorgeous, kind of goes with everything, especially if you want that tone-on-tone look. I'll link to a whole bunch of my favourites in the show notes. And I have to admit, I, I'm not a big fan of glitter, but I still like my glitter embossing powder because once the powder is melted, that glitter is stored it's stuck it's heat set in the enamel so it's not getting all over my hands so I get to enjoy the look of glitter but I don't have to have it all over my clothes or my floor or my furniture and my house and my cat you you see where I'm going we're going to switch lanes now and talk techniques there are some really fun techniques that you can use your embossing powders for There are all of your basic techniques like stamping and embossing a sentiment, stamping and embossing an image. You can use your embossing powders with your die cuts for a faux letterpress technique. I will drop some links into the show notes and over on the blog so you can see some excellent videos on this. But my favorite technique using embossing powders is emboss resist. So I'm going to concentrate on that one. I like to start with watercolor paper and a nice water reactive ink like Distress Ink or Distress Oxide or the lovely Simon Hurley ink pads. Or maybe I'll work with my favourite watercolour pencils. Usually I will take a large stamp and stamp with clear ink or a white pigment ink onto the watercolour paper. It's impossible to see, but it's there. I like a hot pressed watercolour paper because it is really smooth, whereas a cold pressed watercolour paper has all the bumps on it. Now, for this particular technique, I prefer the smooth. So I'll stamp my image with my slow drying ink and then pour over my embossing powder. I'll either use clear or white. And to be safe, I always use ultrafine. I'll tap off the excess, heat set that, and even still, once it's you can see the gloss when you tip it in the light but really you can't see the design very well however once you start applying your ink over the top with you know there are a lot of different tools and techniques that you can do you are going to start seeing that design because when you apply an ink over the top the ink will resist the heat embossing you it will just glide right over it the heat embossing is protecting that white watercolor paper that we stamped onto underneath so for example you might want to apply your ink over the top with an ink blending tool like the ranger mini circle ink blending tool or perhaps an ink blending brush and there are loads of those on the market as well uh, if you're wondering about what's the best ink blending brush i'm going to link you to my friend mary polanco she has an excellent video on youtube i'm sure i've talked about it before where she compared a whole bunch of brushes honestly i just use the makeup ones but uh, there are so many fantastic ones on the market so i'll link you to her video she's got a great video about inking brushes blending brushes 
You can give it a graduated look. You can blend colours together. There are a whole lot of ways that you can add colour to this design. And these work fantastically for background stamps and it gives you a really unique look. I mean, we're so used to inking up a stamp with a dark or a coloured ink and stamping it down. Why not have it in reverse? This is, which is one of my favourite things about this method. I like to use a non-stick surface like a craft mat the waffle flower medium mat is fantastic and often I work on my Tim Holtz tonic glass medium mat another great way to add inks is to actually tap your water reactive ink pad onto your craft mat spritz it with some water or if you want to add a little spice I I keep a mini mister on my desk that has water in it but it has a pearlized water so easy to make. I just put a little scoop of perfect pearls in the regular perfect pearl color into the water and give it a shake up. And then you get a pearlized water, which gives you a completely different look. It's got some shimmer to it. So you can put down your ink, one color, several colors, mix them up, spritz with plain water or your pearlized water. And then you can dip the cardstock with your embossed side down into your ink puddle. You can let it dry naturally, you can heat set it and the beauty of using Distress inks on this is once they're dry you can do that again and the colours will layer up. Instead of getting all muddy you actually can layer your colours up. So that's a very fun technique. You don't know what you're going to get and it can give you something that makes you look truly arty. And once your entire piece is done, you're happy with it, you can just buff over the surface with a clean cloth. So any ink that is sitting on top of that heat embossing is going to wipe away and you will get lovely white lines, glossy and slightly raised, which is completely different look to just stamping with a black ink. There is a lift technique that you can do when you place another piece of paper or cardstock over the top. Press it with a hot iron, like an iron you use to iron clothes with. Although I, if you're going to do this a lot, I would probably get a crafting iron. Uh, and then what that does is it, it melts the embossing powder away and it can result in really interesting two-for-one print situation. I will link to one of Jennifer Maguire's videos where she shows this very clever technique. It's really cool. Emboss resist is also one of my favorite ways to color a detailed stamp quickly with watercolor, be it a palette, ink pads, pencils. It's, it's a refreshing change of pace from Copic markers and black outlines all the time. The raised embossing creates a little wall around each area so the watercolor stays where it should stay. I love to use my abstract triangle background stamp from Darkroom Door and once that's heat embossed on watercolor paper, I take my jazz art watercolor pencils love those things and just color along one edge of each triangle and I go through the whole rainbow try to make sure that colors don't touch then I've got a piece that I can I can just color that like when I'm waiting in a waiting room or in front of the tv at night I, li I like to keep busy and then a simple aqua pen where the barrel's full of water and it's like a paintbrush and you don't need a jar of water I will just colour and blend that out for a stunning finished piece. I do that sometimes just for fun. I don't even know what to do with the finished pieces. I should probably use them on cards, but I just like doing the, the making of them. Now, another popular technique for embossing powder in card making is to stamp that small sentiment on a strip of black or dark cardstock. Use an ultra fine white embossing powder and get that white 
raised shiny sentiment. There's an opposite. If you want that opposite look to have a black heat embossed, nice shiny raised sentiment on white cardstock, you might be thinking, well, now I need to get black embossing powder, but you don't. You just stamp with a black pigment ink and use a clear embossing powder because the clear powder is so versatile. Another technique, if you want to take a die cut shape or word and make it glossy, just lay down that die cut piece on a piece of scrap paper, press your clear sticky ink over the top and you can you could use a blending tool or a brush if you wanted to, but I just literally press the ink pad onto the, the die cut and it works really well. Then pick it up, apply your embossing powder, tap away the excess, heat set and this is a great way to stretch not only your embossing powders further but also those die cut shapes. Now as I mentioned earlier if you're using ultra fine or regular embossing powder it is going to be a little textured and dimply after that first application. So if you want it to be nice and smooth just repeat the application of, of embossing ink and then embossing powder and heat it up let it cool, which honestly doesn't take long, and then do it again. Three times is usually the charm. Plus, it gives the added bonus of a nice curved edge around the die cut shape. Makes it look like a really expensive store-bought embellishment. There are some fantastic tools and accessories that will help you achieve really good results and make sure that your fingers are not burnt in the process. First one is an anti-static powder bag or tool. This is a simple, inexpensive tool, and it's going to discourage your embossing powder from sticking anywhere it should not be. You apply it really simply by patting the bag or the tool over your cardstock before stamping. You'll get a little white powder all over the place. It's fine. It's going to neutralize any oils from your fingers that might be on the cardstock uh, or any, you know, any little sticky bits and static. And it's going to create a really nice, clean surface for stamping. I'll link to a great anti-static powder bag by Ranger and Hot Tip, according to Jennifer Maguire, who learned it from someone else, is to create a little handle by clipping the ends of the bag together with a mini bulldog clip. And if there is white powdery residue left on your dark cardstock, you can just wipe it away with a clean cloth when you've done with your heat embossing. Not until it's heated, though. The next one is reverse tweezers. Because holding your cardstock piece with your fingers can lead to anywhere ranging from discomfort to really nasty burns. So by using a tool like tweezers to hold the cardstock, you keep your hands safely away from the heat. I am a fan of the iCrafter reverse tweezers. They have a silicon section for holding, nice safety around metal tweezers and heat. And if you're wondering why they're called reverse tweezers, it's because you squeeze them to open them. And when you release the pressure, they clamp together in reverse to regular tweezers. So I'll link to the iCrafter tweezers in my show notes. Another is a heat proof surface. This is an important one. Watching embossing powder as it heats and melts is mesmerizing. And if all of your attention is on the melting magic in front of you, you may not notice your surface becoming damaged from the heat, from your heat tool. I work on my Tim Holtz tonic glass media mat, but I also have a craft mat and I have a small chopping board with a little built-in handle uh, that I use as well. I got that one from Ikea. It was really cheap and it stores nice and easy under my desk. It's portable so I can move it around. And lastly, there is a tool from Totally Tiffany, which is a heat, em a heat embossing tool. It's like a stand. So you can actually put your heat gun into it and work hands 
free. I'm out of stock of that at the moment, but I will link to it and I'll be happy to order one in if that's something that appeals to you. Hopefully this has helped if you've ever wondered what the difference was between heat embossing and dry embossing. Of course, these are popular for card making, but you can use both methods for other paper crafting projects like art journals, mixed media projects, scrapbooking, invitations, gift tags, wrapping paper, homemade stationery, all that good stuff. I see a lot of small business owners on TikTok, actually, who are having custom logo stamps made up. Uh, There's a lot of people on Etsy who will make them. And that way they can stamp and heat emboss their logo inexpensively on their packaging. I think that's a very clever move. So I hope I've inspired you to give embossing a try, whether it's an embossing folder or heating up embossing powder over a toaster. I hope that you add some texture or shine to your life. And most importantly, go have some fun in the craft room. Thanks so much for joining me in the craft room today. You can find links and other information about today's episode in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving a review on iTunes or Stitcher. I'd really appreciate that. I do hope you have a very crafty day and I will see you next time. Bye for now.